And at the same time, you know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, because like I told you, like my dad was an inspiration. So I was always like, eventually I'm gonna start a company. I'm Rudy Dogum and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Today's guest is Raul Sefran, the co-founder and CTO of Connext Network. Connext is an interoperability protocol and powers developers to build expressive cross-domain apps. Welcome, Raul Sethiram, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Cool. Thanks a lot. Really excited to be here. Yeah, of course. And you're, um, I know that you're working on an awesome project. You co-founded Connext uh, Network. It's uh, you know, apparently the internet of Ethereum. You're connecting different uh, chains to uh, a simple you know, API that everyone can use and connect their different projects and talk to each other for payments and more. Um, I'm excited to get into that, but you know, with me, I love to learn a little bit more about you and who you are and kind of how you got to that level of where you are today. And we can definitely start with the beginning of where was Raul before even hearing about Bitcoin, before even acknowledging its existence? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, me, like, you know, probably many other people were, you know, doing something totally different before we got kind of sucked into this crazy world of crypto that just pulls you in and doesn't let you out. Um, but basically, you know, I grew up, I was born and brought up in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, so always been around tech and technology, startups, entrepreneurship. My dad was an entrepreneur before me. Awesome. So, you know, he was always a big source of, of inspiration for me. And actually, uh, when I got into college and when I was going into college, what I wanted to do was I wanted to build cars. I was like always into like cars. I was like a car guy. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do like mechanical engineering, obviously, because yeah. that's how you get into cars. And my dad, like, you know, this was back in like 2000s, you know, so this is like way before his time. So he was like, uh, you know, one day cars are going to be all electric. So you should do electrical engineering, not mechanical engineering. It's good advice. So it's like, yeah yeah it's crazy at that time i was like oh okay let's this was like pre-tesla pre-everything right mm -hmm. so i was like eh, okay whatever I'll, I'll see how it goes so then uh studied electrical engineering in college uh or yeah and then at that point like tesla was just like coming out and like coming on the scene and i was like dude this is the coolest thing i've ever seen like this is my dream job i have to work at tesla this is like my goal i made that like wow. my singular goal so then uh you know, went through college, uh, got out of college, started applying for jobs, applied to Tesla, uh, you know, at first didn't get in, of course, really hard as a new grad to get a job, especially at a company like that is very selective. So I was like, okay, you know, whatever, I'm going to like beef up my experience at other kind of related things, then eventually you go back. So I started working at other startups like battery technology and stuff like that. Eventually, like just kept applying to Tesla and then finally like got in touch with a team that needed me and, and, you know, got into there, <laughs> got in there early on. Like, you know, I helped build the very first like Model S prototypes, uh, did a lot of like, you know, testing and building and like driving cars around and stuff, wow. you know, it was a great job. Uh, back in the day, it was a tough job. You know, Tesla work environment is really tough. But That's what uh, I hear, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. But it's you know, I was I was a young kid just out of college, so it's like a great experience to go through and really like, you know, start my career there. Um, then like throughout that whole process, you know, Tesla was a public company. They were giving stocks and stuff like that. Tesla stock was like you know starting to like go up and stuff. So there was a lot of excitement around the stock, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like. You know, I've never had stocks before. Like, let me learn about this stuff a little bit. And I kind of got like sucked into the world of finance a little bit. Uh, and what so year was this around? Of, this was like uh, around 
like between 2010, 2014. I worked there okay. between the years of like 2010 to 2014. So like, uh, yeah. So around that time, like Tesla was like just, it had just basically gone public like a few months before I joined. Mm -hmm. So um, this was like early on in those, the, that, those days. So then I like, you know, started playing around with more finance stuff like options and, you know, different <laughs> things just like because I got kind of like sucked into that world. And at the same time, you know, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur uh, because like I told you, like my dad was an inspiration. So I was always like, eventually I'm going to start a company. Right. So, uh, you know, after four years in Tesla, I was like, you know what, like I'm kind of ready to jump in the startup world. Like I'm, I'm looking for an idea here. I, I know I'm going to do this eventually. Like if I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. So like, you know, I eventually uh, got together with some of my like close friends from like childhood and and some others that we'd met on along the way. And we started a company which was uh, like a stock trading platform. It was actually like a social network for stock traders okay. <laughs> almost uh, where you could like follow trades and things like that. But so you we couldn't kinda, like make. But could you conduct trades on there or just. Um, well, that was the eventual goal was to like hook into like stock exchange APIs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that this is like a weird thing about Web 2, which is completely flipped with Web 3 is like the stock trading APIs were like so limited, like the brokerages didn't even have like public APIs. And if they did, they were like read only. And like, you know, it's like really hard to get to the point where you could like execute a trade through mm -hmm. an API. So, you know, that was our eventual goal to get there, but like it was hard to get there. So in the time being, we were kind of like doing uh, different things where you could like basically read trades and like show like a, a feed of like trades and things like that and have some like social features on top. Um, but, you know, if we built that now on like crypto exchanges, it would be totally like much easier. And yeah. I think there's already a bunch of stuff like that now, but uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like before it's time. <laughs> and, and at this point, you still haven't heard of Bitcoin. No, no, no. So wow. actually, like when I was at Tesla, like I remember I would be in like the lab in the basement, you know, like a bunch of like nerds and stuff <laughs> like that there. And like I heard people talking about Bitcoin back then. They're like, oh, like this thing. I like buy like items in games with it and like stuff. And like it's like, yeah, whatever. Like, we'll yeah, come back to that later. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> if only got into it right then and I there, know. right? <laughs> Like at that point, it was probably literally like worth pennies. Yeah, I know. Oh man, that's a it's a fun time to think so, about. <laughs> right. So then, all right. So uh, now you're making this app with your friends, and how's the progress going at this point? Yeah. So like, uh, I mean, you know, in the startup world, I learned this later, but like, you know, it's it's easy to raise like seed round from friends and family and like initial money. So like, we raised a round. We thought we were like great. Like we were doing our thing. Like building it out. And then we got to a point where we were like, okay, well, we need to scale this up. Like we got users, we're not making any money, we're actually like burning money on these APIs and stuff like this. Like, what do we need to do? So uh, we kind of hit this crossroad where we could like, uh, either try to raise more money or like, you know, figure out some kind of like acquisition aqua hire type offer. And like, you know, luckily for us, we were in a position where like one of our investors was looking for an aqua hire at that point because he needed like to hire a team with like talent, like that was building like a software team that had good talent. Um, so we were like, OK, you know, let's just like take this acquisition aqua hire while we can and, and uh, you know, go back to the drawing board with the ideas. So that was at a cloud security company that was doing something completely unrelated. Uh, so I was just kind of like biding my time there. And then I got on the point where I like really didn't like the way that the company was going, the mm -hmm. management, everything. 
And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to like take some time off and like figure out how to get get on my feet for the next thing. And this was in like 2017, actually, uh, at that oh, point. Wow. So yeah. Recent. yeah, yeah, yeah. This was like, <laughs> this was kind of like the most recent thing before crypto, right? Yeah. So then, uh, then I was like, okay, well, now I need to find my next idea. I was like toying with some other ideas in the fintech space, just meeting people. Uh, then like, all of a sudden, like Ethereum popped up on my radar. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, I think it was like right around like the Dow hack and stuff. Okay. Like, if I have to think back around like what the news was around then, like early 2017, it was like the Dow hack and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Uh, then um, I was like, okay, this is like a cool thing. Let me look at it from a developer platform point of view. Cause I was like into software engineering and building yeah. like platforms and stuff like that. So I started to go down that rabbit hole and started to like explore it and be like, oh, cool, smart contracts. What kind of stuff can you can you build? Like, what is this like? You know, it's like a seems like a very like uh, extensible developer platform. So I was like, okay, let me learn the development side of it. I'm not going to become like a trader or whatever. I'm just going to yeah. like learn how to build apps. So I started going to these developer meetups in San Francisco. I started going to like hackathons. Started like doing some virtual hackathons. I actually like won a prize at one of the hackathons nice. and I was like oh this is like fun let me uh go into this a little bit more and then I started kind of like networking at that point trying to be like okay let's let's meet some people come up with some ideas here and actually at the SF Ethereum developers meetup uh I met my co-founder Arjun we kind of like met or got introduced to each other through like mutual friends and then you know, both of us were like at the point where we were like looking for co-founders and to start a project. So yeah. we just jumped into it. And then, yeah, that was <laughs> how we got started here. That's awesome. And so when you first heard about Ethereum, it made sense to you automatically. You kind of like, oh, this this makes sense. I, I get this. I'm going to put all my time into it. Like, how were how you feeling when you first heard about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I guess I wouldn't say I like got it fully uh, -huh. uh but i was like this sounds interesting and like there's like cool applications that can be built on it i don't think i really understood like the full potential of like decentralization and like uh you yeah. know all the like permissionless social and, yeah. and whatever <laughs> yeah yeah but uh i was like oh this looks like cool infrastructure to build on basically like let's let's see what you can do with it and then like you know obviously gradually i got sucked more and more in and like you know i started going to the meetups so listening to people talk more and more and then i kind of like got more and more like pilled by it i guess <laughs> yeah it's hard not to like, because it's yeah there's like oh you, as a developer or someone like you're just interested interested in new tech it's it's fun to see this and if you can make some money along the way it's you know why not but exactly it's uh it's funny like how, it's a, like how you can grow watching like learning yourself but also just being sucked into it at the same time and trying to figure out what, how can i build on this and how can i make a difference with this so then and as you're like you know building developing learning ethereum uh platform what were your first ideas and oh i can this is what needs to be built i'm gonna focus on this what was the first idea yeah, you had totally. on there <laughs> Totally. So, you know, like I said, I was uh, going to these meetups. I, I met Arjun, my co-founder, and like we were kind of like talking about ideas and like what things are interested in the space and stuff like that. And uh, this was right around the ICO boom. So like, you know, if you mm -hmm. again remember 2017, it's like ICOs happening left <laughs> and right and like these random tokens getting launched. And uh, we were like, OK, so first of all, both of us are really interested in like mainstream adoption. We're like, we want to get this technology in the hands of like everyday people. What are like the biggest barriers to entry here? 
so what we thought initially was the biggest barrier to entry is like, how do you buy tokens and like hold them? So essentially what we were trying, well, our first idea was, was like a fiat on-ramp platform for like buying ICO tokens. We're like, okay, we want to like allow you to like put in your credit card number directly on a DAP and like instantly buy tokens to be able to like use the tokens in the DAP. Wow. Because, you know, the space looked really different back then, but they were like all these platforms like launching random tokens. And they were like, oh, like you have to use our token to use our platform. So we're like, OK, well, this is not going to catch on. You can't like not everyone's going to go to an exchange, transfer to a wallet, use a DEX, whatever. DEX yeah. didn't even really exist back then. So it was like uh, the whole <laughs> process was was really convoluted. So that was our first idea. And that's actually what the initial like connects product was. It was like a fiat on-ramp plus like a custodial wallet type situation that's hard to do even today like having a credit card a transaction just for getting crypto it's like still like oh tough today but yeah. it's there now and and i mean that that's what we learned too like we went through the whole process we started like talking to visa got onboarded as like a credit card like uh processor and like all this stuff like went through a bunch of shit and like we realized kind of that uh, like that whole process was like such a pain that we yeah. were like, okay, this, this is not going to work out. Like we don't, we don't want to do this. <laughs> There's like, red tape everywhere first, for that. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, this is not what we signed up for. We wanted to build stuff. We didn't want to just deal with like a uh, paperwork and, and compliance. Stuff like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then the other interesting part was we started talking to some of our customers, right? And we were like, okay, we're going to make it really easy for you to onboard users to your platform. And then they were like, okay, well, that's not even what we need right now. The Ethereum network doesn't even scale properly if we onboarded these like hundreds of thousands or millions of users. Because this was, remember 2017, this is the time where like CryptoKitties just came out and basically like stalled the entire Ethereum blockchain. Yep. So we're like, okay, uh, this is not going to work. We need to focus on where the real needs of the ecosystem are, which is scaling. Mm-hmm. So then that is how we kind of like got into the, the scaling space. So, wow. So I mean, that's a definitely a huge problem because it's always that uh, trilemma we're, we're, we're having issues with in the blockchain world, like security, decentralization, and um, what was the other one? Security, decentralization. Uh, uh, <laughs> speed. I think it's speed, right? Yeah. Or transaction. Cost. Cost, yeah, it's either cost or transaction. Speed. Sorry, everyone who's listening, I forgot the third no, one. No, 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 it's cost, cost, speed, and security, which is decentralization. Yeah, right. Um, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really difficult problem to solve in it with, you know, ETH merge coming up and layer two protocols coming out. It's something that's actively trying to be solved. And um, how is like, Connects doing it differently. What, what is Connects doing differently that's going to help out the entire ecosystem? Yeah. So I mean, just to to abbreviate where, where I was at, like uh, we we got into scaling as like building state channels. So state channels were like the first scaling solution pre rollups or anything like that. Uh, but then you know they they had a lot of trade offs and kind of like we we tried to build it. We built some platforms stuff like that. Uh, but in the end, like rollups just turned out to be a better thing. And since we were focused on state channels, we didn't get to the rollup point. But then what we saw is we were like, okay, well, all these other people are going to build multiple, multiple rollups. But what is going to like link these different like sovereign like zones and chains and L1s and different L2s and stuff like that? All of that needs like kind of like an interoperability layer on top. 
Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we got to like where Connext is now. So Connext is not directly solving the scaling problem, but we're solving the interoperability problem between scaling. Because, you know, like one gotcha. thing like Arjun says a lot and like I, I really like is that basically interoperability is scalability. They're like the same thing because, you know, if you move all your transactions off chain onto some other system, then you're effectively scaling it. But if you can, if you can't move them back to where you need the funds to be, then there's no point, right? Yeah. Your, tra- your transactions are just happening somewhere else. So really, the interoperability piece is like a key, key part of the scaling solution. So that that's where Connect stands with that. That's that's a good point because I, I haven't thought of it in that way. I mean, of course, interoperability is important because we have so many different chains and layers and cryptocurrencies i'm just like it's thousands like what am i gonna do with thousands of different options that's too many and it's especially hard if your only option is to actually trade between two on some centralized exchange some uh DeFi exchange i'm just like this doesn't make any sense but the a great goal would be if they all can talk to each other without having to deal with all the middlemen work or just one area of connection exactly and that that's exactly the goal of connects is to be that kind of interoperability layer where you know in the end the users who are transacting on these platforms don't really even need to think about it like that's that's not how it is right now you have like bridge uis and and stuff like this right now uh but the ideal goal is user a wants to do action b and they will do that and the platforms underneath will take care of bridging, swapping, dexing, depositing, whatever, all these other DeFi things that people do right now mm-hmm. is uh, is the goal is to be fully abstracted. That's awesome. And I mean, as an entrepreneur yourself, you know, working on such a high velocity in- industry, like it's moving so quickly, how, how are you able to keep up with what's going on? And I know that you've had different... Um, uh, spins on what to build with Connext. So I like to know like in a day in your life, like how are you able to keep up with the news, keep up with development skills? And it's also the whole you know development scene for blockchain is also growing rapidly. Things are changing constantly. The languages are, well, language is kind of settling now after Solidity came about, but how, how are you able to keep up with what's going on and build a business yeah, at the I mean- same time? <laughs> it's, it's a good point. It's like, it literally is a full-time job, but kind of I have made it like my passion basically so like you know in my free time I listen to like Ethereum podcasts like Bankless or like you know stuff like I'm going to start listening to wholesome crypto now <laughs> so uh I think podcasts are a great way to like know what's going on the problem is like you know if you listen to a podcast episode from like one month ago it's going to be like outdated already yeah. right so it's like you constantly have to be like reading what the latest and greatest is so like you know platforms like Twitter uh discords things like that it's it's honestly like a full-time thing and like i can't understand how people that don't work in crypto like are able to keep up with things you know like i know there's people who have like site like a main job and they're like oh i i like research crypto and DeFi on the side and i'm like no the only way i can keep (laughs) up with this is because it's like my full-time thing and i'm like i'm making my job to like be informed about what's going on and of course i'm not going to say i like know everything about everything but like I choose the areas of research and like topics that I want to be informed about. Like for me, it's obviously interoperability, cross-chain stuff. So that that's where I'm focusing my energy. I'm not going to say I'm like a beacon chain merge like expert or anything like that. I have yeah. a friend who is, but like, you know, for me, it's it's more about like staying on top of what I need to stay on top of. 
Exactly. That's a key thing is make sure you have a lot of friends who are experts in different areas of crypto just so you can get news from them and then you can share your news with them just so it's it's the exactly. only way. Community is huge. No, yeah, that's a great point, actually. And that's that's kind of how me and you met, right? Because we're in this like common telegram chat where like, you know, a bunch of people are just sharing stuff that they they learned and know about. And like I think, yeah, to your point, that's like the greatest way is like build a community, build a good network, meet some people that you guys can share ideas. Because otherwise, if you try to do it on your own, there's just way too much to consume. It's impossible. And it's also half the fun is like, I feel like, again, it's never ending consumption. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's like I could always get more crypto. True. <laughs> but then as a, you know, as a way to keep crypto off your mind or a way to like, decompress just take care of your own mental health how do you or do you ever turn off from crypto during your day and kind of just like all right this is my time to relax and hang out and kind of just <laughs> calm down from all yeah that no totally and i think that's super important i think there are like some things that you need like a part of your schedule you know i need like downtime away from my like devices like i make it a point i like work out pretty much every day whether it's like going to the gym doing like muay thai like stuff like that so i like take time away where I actually like spend time, you know, and that that helps me a lot that like keeps me from going crazy. Otherwise, I'd be sitting at my desk like all day. But I'm like, okay, like noontime, whatever, I'm gonna like, get up, go to the gym, work out, and then like reset myself. And that like helps a lot to like kind of reset me. Mm -hmm. Then of course, like, I try to take some time off, I'm married to so, like, I spend some time with my wife and like, you know, having a relationship and being like, you know, invest in a relationship helps a lot as well. Yep. And like, uh, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, you just, just really have to like be conscious about that and cognizant and thinking about the fact that like you are going to need to, to take time off. Cause like, honestly, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I like tell my team this all the time. I like, you know, I, I say that they need to go take breaks and, and, uh, make sure that they're taking care of themselves first because I need them for the long term, not just the short term. I don't want like a short little sprint of like 24 yeah. seven and like then they just burn out completely. I want like sustained velocity over like the next like 10 years. You know, that's what we're planning for here. It feels like these upcoming businesses are like hackathons, but no, don't forget, it's still a business. <laughs> There's a long term growth strategy plan to make this business work. It's not gonna be a hackathon for a couple of days exactly and i mean like you know like you're saying it's like 24 7 so like anytime i mean and we're low i'm in dubai right but like our team members are all across the world so like 24 7 i can wake up in the middle of the night and have like 100 discord messages to like respond to from like my team so it's like it's like i can't turn that part off so like i have to turn myself off of it yeah like it's up to me to like disconnect myself from it because it's gonna go on right regardless of what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> that's so true um the funny thing you mentioned with uh your wife is she into crypto does she uh she like yeah, I mean, because of because of this stuff, like, you know, I'm constantly talking about it, trying to like tell her things here and there. So like she she's like, she gets it, you know, she understands it. She like knows what I'm doing. She can like understand the value props. I've like got her into kind of NFTs a little bit, too. So so she kind of like is getting into different parts of the community. Nice. there. It's always but so fun, like um, like meeting people. And it's like you're almost afraid, like oh, I'm, I'm into crypto. And it's either like, it gets like, they're like whoa, whoa, it's too much. Like, what are you talking about? What's a Bitcoin? I'm like, ah, man. And then you get other friends <laughs> who are like, oh yeah, bro, I got this NFT, this and this and that. I'm on, like different chains are just like, they go hard into Ethereum or like hard into whatever coin they're in. So it's fun always uh, meeting people and just 
feeling the vibe of the mainstream or area that you're in like how big is crypto is it is it still growing is it mainstream yet is it it's like it's always like a question in my mind it's how 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 deep am i in the bubble versus what is the reality of the world totally totally and i think you know the the cool thing about nfts is like you know pre nfts it was either like finance heavy or like engineering development heavy you know it's like those two types of people and now like nfts seem to like expand this bubble a lot more and now you have like all the media people and stuff like that and of course there's like more grifters now and stuff but like there's you know with the, with the expanded bubble there are expanded ways to like capitalize and profit and of course there's people trying to take advantage of that but i think net net it's always positive to keep the space growing and keep the different types of people coming in yeah and that's the other thing i love about crypto it it brings to light so much of kind of how humans are in terms of taking advantage of something new there's a lot of grifters a lot of people trying to you know sell you on an nft or even back in the ico days there's all oh, this project's gonna be the next big thing invest in us now and kind of just get rugged and not and not only that it's also you know, for me, I did electrical engineering, I did an MBA, but for some reason, I feel like oh, the cool. most education that I had was through crypto. <laughs> they taught me about finances, social economics, regenerative ec economics, and like uh, where the money came from, what happened in 1971. Like I'm learning development skills. I'm like learning social skills. It's a huge way to compress a lot of humanity into a technology type and that's that's what i really love about crypto yeah it's totally wild like you see these hardcore like engineers all of a sudden knowing crazy like finance concepts and then you see these like crazy finance guys like reading smart contracts and, like, yeah you know it's, <laughs> it's pretty wild and everybody wants but, to learn you know, everything go ahead yeah yeah i think i think one big thing about motivating factor around that is like you know, the ability to like profit and make money. And, you know, that's, that's not always a bad thing. Like I talked to some, like, you know, I've, I've talked to VC funds and stuff and some of the partners were like, yeah, I learned how to code just because I wanted to build like a trading bot. It's like, I saw that I could make money. So I like taught myself and it was like, I learned in like a week Python or whatever. And it's like, you know, you learn because you have this like motivation. It's like, holy shit, I think I, I can make like some money off this. Like, I'm just going to like stay up all night and like learn how to do this. Like, I worked with a dude who like literally didn't know any coding. He said he said he like basically worked twenty four seven for two weeks, built a trading bot. This wow. is like back in like the early days. <laughs> he was making like a thousand bucks some days off his bot. So it's like that's that's <laughs> so awesome. I love that. I love those kind of stories too because it's funny. Like right. I spend money to go to college. I spend money to do this, and I and also like oh I get paid to to work at a job. But for some reason, the drive of like an imaginary goal of building something that can increase your wealth or building something that could increase your uh like network and your and your social wealth just like being you know giving back to the community it's just that drive is just i think um it's priceless there's, there's no amount on it that's ever going to satisfy that drive which is what's amazing it just keeps you going <laughs> right and i think part of that kind of does tie into like the space and like decentralization how like each person is kind of like empowered on their own to do things it's like you can build your own bot you could start your own company you don't really like need other people so like it's all on you and that kind of drives you even more because you're not like working for some company or something like that you're essentially like empowered to do it on your own yeah and you can build with people and if at a time a time comes when you want other people to 
help build something. It's the it's decentralized. It's permissionless. You can ask anyone for a Twitter post or Discord channel. Go go somewhere and ask. I'm working on this. Anyone else interested? You'll probably find yeah, somebody. It's, it's crazy because this is the first time. Like I'm from the Silicon Valley, right? So like I've seen the concentration of like power and wealth and like talent in that area, right? Like Web two. Like everyone from everywhere in the world came there, and only like that was where everything happened. But like now you see like centers popping up everywhere in the world, like companies in Thailand, companies in like, you know, like every part of the globe, India, like Australia, France, like everywhere in Europe now has like strong and like you see the talent is everywhere. There's not like talent is only in Silicon Valley. It's literally everywhere in the world. They're smart people. And now they have the power to like build these things on their own. It's amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> um, so now that, you know, we're talking all about the fun stuff of crypto, what is something that's a, a crypto pet peeve of yours uh i mean <laughs> i guess i would say like uh you know incessant like shilling grifting probably okay if i had to say the biggest one it's like the whole like decentralization theater you know this is a big thing like we talk about with our co-founders as well is like there's a lot of platforms that kind of like pretend that they're like decentralized like oh like trustless non-custodial minimal but like you look into it and like you just peel back like one layer and you're like okay well it's like a completely trusted platform that's like basically run by like a one of four multi-sig and mm. you're like okay cool so uh <laughs> you know this this happens a lot in the bridging space as well like interoperability a lot of the bridges like claim to be trustless but really if you peel back the layers it's like not at all it's, it's basically a multi-sig so you know this this happened this like the hacks and stuff that have happened recently wormhole and things like that mm -hmm. have kind of shown this well maybe not wormhole specifically but some of the other more recent ones uh have shown that that their security is very important especially for like a bridge and that's what i um that's one thing i love also about, i love about the ethereum community and crypto community in general is we don't have strong regulations i guess in terms of government we have strong regulations in terms of financially but in a techn technical uh, sense, it's the people uh, looking or doing quality assurance over other people. Like you have to trust developers and other like, um, you know, white ha hackers to check different smart contracts, check these projects and look in and peel back their layers and say, hey, these guys are saying this, but that's not true. Here's the proof from their code. And you have to like be careful when you're when you're interacting with these companies. And some people listen and some people don't. And it's kind of like, that's when like the Wild West comes in, especially with what's happened recently with uh, Luna and UST. You can hear a different podcast from people talking about how this could have, if there was a death spiral happening, it could have been paused earlier, but the team was not trying or not, we're not believing that it could have ever happened. So they kind of just didn't do anything about it and let it strain down to nothing. And people were hurt. A lot of people were hurt. A lot of people lost a lot of money and it just... It's painful to watch that happen in an industry where that's supposed to bring like regeneration and like opportunity for other people to work and provide and transact monetarily and like have a way to send a stable coin or a stable dollar to their family and friends anywhere in the world. And it kind of just shows you this. It's a lot of like, uh, I think we need a lot more teams to help out with just searching through the smart contracts and trying to more um, do like quality assurance on all this stuff. So it's exciting to see, but I think there's a lot more yeah a lot more growth for that absolutely well i mean one thing we see also is the problem is in a lot of situations like users don't care until it like really like hurts them right so like you know you can be like oh, okay like 
you know, it connects, if I were to say, like, you know, we prioritize security and decentralization more than like anything. And that has caused us to like, sometimes lose com competition because, you know, somebody will come out and be like, well, our bridge is like much cheaper. It's like, you know, you pay like literally a fraction of the cost, but literally you're going to like send it to some wallet and receive it from some wallet. And if the wallet just decides to not do it, like you're screwed, like there's nothing you can do about it. Right. So like, but people will still use it because they're like, oh, cheap, cheap bridging, of course, until yeah. they'll use it until they get screwed. And then they'll be like, you know, ruined from it. But that's the only way people learn, honestly, is once they get burned. What was one of your burning moments that <laughs> you've learned from? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've definitely been burned a couple of times, actually. Like Same. one of our one of our initial <laughs> projects even got hacked, actually. Uh, no. <laughs> so because we made a smart contract bug and we got hacked. So gotten burned on the development side multiple times. I actually did kind of get burned in this whole UST thing because I was in a liquidity pool that had UST in it. And I was like, oh, man, but these stablecoin yields are so good. <laughs> I was like, oh, UST is super safe. I mean, that was that was a problem because UST like looked really safe from the outside. Right. And it was mm -hmm. like one of the most stable coins around. Like it hardly ever dropped off peg. Uh, but yeah, you know, obviously you, you kind of learn that like the high yields come because there is risk. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those. If it's too good to be true, then it probably is. That's what exactly. the whole system was. <laughs> Um, and, right. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely learned my lesson a long time ago in like the ICOs. I was like, ah, shit, if I just held, I would have been much better off the whole time. So now I'm like, I'm just going to change some dollars whenever I can for whatever I could afford and hope for the best in 20, 30 years from now. Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's hard because then you see people like making like thousand X returns. And you're like, man, if I can hit just just hit one of those, I'd be like set. But you know, once you start chasing that, that's how you start losing it. It's better to, to just be like safe and buy like, you know, I would say like just buy Ethereum, honestly, because that's the one that's pretty much guaranteed to yeah. be around in the next 10 years. Exactly. And that's another tip for everyone. Like if you're like a TikTok watch like a user who's like watching these videos on people saying, oh, I bought this NFT yesterday. Now I have 10,000% X. Like I'm like, all right, this, this isn't, this isn't happen normally. This isn't, <laughs> you, you got to be careful what you see and what you're reading because it's probably right. not true and not, not safe. And and at the time you buy it after they say that, then you're the exit liquidity. That's yeah. all you are. Like <laughs> you're the sucker who's buying it because they everyone else already bought in and cashing out on you. Exactly. And then crypto is such a fast moving space. Like projects that increase in value that seem overnight and that are good projects, it's not because they increased overnight. They were developing during times like bear markets that we're into now. It's they're developing, 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 have something good to launch. And then coincidentally, if they time it right with the bull market, that's when things happen. That's when huge increases come out. But if you you have to really be researching today for the next uptick in some project that's gonna happen in maybe a few years. Right. And that's that's kind of the hard thing, even being a builder in the space. It's like you see during the bull market times, that is when all these like copycat projects will come out like mm -hmm. out of the woodwork because they'll see like, oh, you're doing something like I could do the exact same thing and like just basically copy paste it with nothing else and just try to like put some marketing spin on it. But then during the bear market, they all like disappear and die. So bear market is really the best time to build and like you know, it connects, we built through like multiple bear markets and like almost died, but like just because we were focused on delivering what we wanted, what we wanted to build, you know, that's, that's the only reason we survived. Exactly. And 
Yeah. So like yourself as an entrepreneur building in the crypto space, we're kind of in a bear market, but uh, for anyone else that's like new, I mean, out of college, developing, learning and trying to do something in the crypto space, do you have any advice that you can kind of like guide them into to get ready for it and or maybe even like advice just to like help them mentally prepare for what's coming <laughs> in the crypto space? Yeah, I mean, I would say like no matter what, like the space is growing, companies are funded, everyone is hiring. Like, honestly, it's like the best time to get into a crypto company right now because all these crypto companies need to build. They're hiring for like every single role. It's not only technical roles. So like all you have to do is you just need to learn, be passionate and like, you know, just research and learn, like learn the space a bit, see what's going on, like see what the opportunities are, see what people are building. And and I think, you know, if you have a genuine interest in this stuff, like you'll have no problem like getting a job, being kind of like set. It's it's like a really good opportunity. And I kind of like try to tell everyone I know, you know, all my like cousins, family members, everyone who's like in college, I'm like, do take like a hard look at this stuff because this could really like set you up like these companies are, and crypto companies are the best companies to work for like come on like yeah. they're fully remote like they pay well they'll pay you regardless of where you live they'll pay you pretty much like the same salary uh you know it's like a great community usually they'll pay for you to like go to conferences all the time and stuff like that like it's just like a fun industry to work in and it's so like small that you end up like making a lot of friends like within the space and and i think you know I think it's just I would I would just highly advocate for anyone who's who's getting into the market job market now to take a good look. Absolutely. And that's yeah, it's like back in before 2017, it was just if you're a developer or a marketer, that's the that's all you can do. And it's not even exactly. that. It's like you also have to do it in a startup or you have to start your own company. It's really really hard to find something if you weren't highly talented already. But now it's like Yeah, there there's something like uh like 40 billion dollars of vc money that's like entered the space recently so it's like oh, wow everyone is like really well funded that's why like i was just listening to another podcast it was talking about like how the the like bear market is basically gonna have just like constant building through it because everyone is funded to get through the bear market so you know that's everyone can pay <laughs> <laughs> that's always important yeah because if it's not it's not very often where you see like companies that are well funded to go through like a recession for crypto in these terms and right continue building. yeah i think this is like this is like unprecedented i think yeah <laughs> um so um, one of my last questions i'd like to ask is what is your like favorite wholesome crypto moment something <laughs> in your crypto experience crypto journey that made you like feel warm inside or like some good that came out of it yeah totally so you know it kind of goes back to like what i was saying earlier about like just the amount of opportunities crypto is given to people in like all different parts of the world that like couldn't normally have access you know like i recently met like a group of people from like thailand that was are basically have like a group that they kind of contribute to different DAOs to sort of uh become like contributors to the DAO and like eventually like get some token ownership and stuff like that in the DAO so like they said basically it's like an empowered like full communities and they've like had some members who've been like really successful from like running like running nodes on like Moonbeam at like the very early stages to, like beta test the product ended up making like hundreds of thousands of dollars you know like like life-changing money and like stuff like that so there's just like 
really cool opportunities to bring people into the space and like get them involved with something that like, first of all, is really interesting. Second of all, will give them like really good skills for the future. And third of all, could like really like elevate them out of kind of a maybe not so great like economic status. So just seeing these kinds of things happen and in real life, like just this recent group that I met from Thailand, it's like really cool to see. That's awesome. And that's another thing. It's like in the crypto community, if you're building a public good, people want to see you succeed. Like there's, there's very little malicious work other than people who are trying to steal from you. But if you're doing an honest public good, there's a good chance you're going to have other people in, in, in larger projects like, uh, like Ethereum Foundation. I know you have a lot of grants. Gitcoin does a lot of grants. Um, I think you even have some grants going on and it's building, people want to see the ecosystem grow. People want to see the ecosystem build and develop. And it's definitely a huge sense of community that I've not seen in like more of a traditional sense of web two, where it's like cutthroat, make sure everyone else drowns and like outfit <laughs> everyone else. Like, no, it's like web three is like community based success because it's decentralized. It's for the world. It's not for a specific entity. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Raul, for joining me here today. Uh, I'm excited to see Connects solve interoperability. I'm excited to keep watching you do your thing. And I'm very thankful for you being on the show and taking the time out today. Awesome. Yeah, it was a great time. Thank you, too. Thank you, everyone.